to the No BS Short-Term Rental Podcast, an unfiltered look into the global vacation and short-term rental industry. I'm Mateo Bradford. And I'm John Stokinger. And this is our podcast. We bring the right people to the table at the right time, giving you an inside view and take on the short-term rental industry like no other podcast can. More Mateo, another week, episode 20. 20? morning, John. Yeah, 20? This, is the big, this is the big dub, big two zero. Holy shit, really? Yeah. 20 episodes. Thank you, through it, man. Crazy. I, I can't even believe it. I know. Great guest. Awesome well, let's guess. jump into it, man. Like, I want yeah. you to go ahead and introduce this. Like, I feel I'm excited that we're here. Like, wow, 20 episodes. Yeah, 20 episodes. And it's for me, again, super special episode. I get to have. Uh, for those who aren't watching on YouTube and are just listening, my uh, good friend and actually uh, I, I'll, I'll get into a lot of things about Andrew because I, I like him very much. But uh, my former boss and CEO at, of uh, founder, founder of Rented.com, uh, Andrew McConnell, welcome to the No Bullshit Short Term Rental Podcast, my friend. I'm super it's happy to have you. you here. Yeah, it's great uh, to see you again. So for those of you who do not know Andrew, uh, you, you're not on LinkedIn if you don't, uh, if you don't know Andrew, uh, and you probably haven't been in the industry for the past five years in any real respect, because uh, the dynamic CEO of Rented uh, is a fixture in our industry, man. Um, I believe he represents the, the best and brightest aspects of our industry. Um, and we're going to dig into kind of who he is, how he got here. Um, I don't want to get into his story. I'll let him tell his story for himself because I always figure that the best person to tell the story is the person that lived it, not the person that watched it or read about it or heard about it. So, you know, my bios and, and backgrounds for our guests, uh, especially the ones I know like Andrew, um, are kind of short and sweet, but are very authentic and true. And so, you know, one thing, you know, about Andrew is his intelligent approach to making our industry better for all. Uh, I'll just put that out there, um, has legs and I'm about verbs. I like seeing things in action. I like people's actions and Andrew definitely walks it like he, talk, like he talks it. Um, and, you know, I consider him friend and family and uh, I'm super excited to have him on here. So, Andrew, welcome. Mateo, thank you so much for having me. Is Where Atlanta. are you right now, sir? I'm actually in Atlanta. So okay. there is that maybe, uh, but just for a period of time, Bermuda on my way to Vacation Rental World Summit in Annecy. So came yeah. back home for a night to Atlanta. See, I, that's the part I was wanting to hit at because I, when I was talking to Andrew through the pandemic and everywhere, he was at, he was in Bermuda, what, actually living out there. So it was kind of hard yeah. to feel sorry for his situation. Um, but, you know, and if you know Andrew, anywhere around water, he's good. So uh, four miles in this morning, so I'm feeling yeah. good. There you go. That. Love that. You can see so, that we'll see. that nice Bermuda glow on your skin too. Those who are watching, it, that's nice. You got that, you know, got that shine going on there. The, the lights are hitting it just right. That's good. Definitely. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you for stopping by before you get to Annecy or go out to Annecy. Shout out to Antonio on the Vacation Rental World Summit. Uh, hey, we're not going this year, but uh, definitely plan on being out there next year. So uh, definitely say hi to everyone for me out there. Um, but let's dig in, Andrew. So, it, you know, I think when we've had others on this show, you know, where they talk about like why I'm, how I got into the industry, 
Andrew is actually how I got into the industry. Industry. It was uh, you know Andrew and Mickey. Um, when I came to rent it, I came in and it's interesting. When I interviewed with Andrew, I was like, you know, this is a funny story because like my first interview with Andrew, we we're at some spot near Georgia Tech. It's the you middle of the summer where it closed down. It was Barrel House. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. It was crazy. So I don't know if you remember, Andrew, like you were in shorts and a flip flops and I was in like a suit in the middle of Atlanta in the summer. <laughs> yeah. Hey, got to represent, you know? No, it's, it, but it's kind of emblematic, but it's emblematic of the story and, and kind of of my journey in the space. So, you know, I, I thought we had a great interview. thought Andrew was doing some amazing things. I, you know, at that point, I didn't I didn't know a whole lot about short term rentals, um, but the concept was fascinating and everything that we were doing was super fascinating. And I knew I wanted to, to be in this. I wanted to do this um, what yeah. they were talking about. They had a great model. Um, and it was exciting and it was interesting and I wanted to go and do this so much so that I put on a suit in the middle of August and uh, was meeting you know, with Andy. So <laughs> that was how I got into the business. And from there, it's gone skyrocketing well. Like I've learned so much. Um, but Andrew, like how did, that, that was my story. And it was always funny because, you know, ever since then. It's like, where am I going? And that, that was the question. Where am I? Where am I going? Who are these people? Seemed to be the theme for the next couple months because then it was like VRMA. I was like, why are these people so nice? I was like, Andrew really doesn't wear shoes when he doesn't want to. Like, that's crazy. Or <laughs> met a CEO that does that. Like, it, it was antithetical to everything I knew, but it was so awesome coming from the corporate world because it was minus everything I hated about corporate culture even the stuff I didn't know yet. And so we'll get into culture, Andrew, because I know it's a huge thing with how you build, but I really want you to kind of give us a background of, of you know, where you came from and how you got into this space and why this space, why short-term rentals, why vacation rentals, why alternative accommodations? How did you get here and why do you stay? Yeah, I mean, I think like most people, when you were in kindergarten, people said, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, everybody else was saying fireman or police officer. And, and you were saying, I want to get into short-term rentals, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, right? right? Like it's, <laughs> no, one, no one in their entire life has ever done that. And so it, like a lot of people, it, it was a winding path that, that led me here, but did it traveled a lot kind of growing up and, and when I was on my own and ended up doing law school in the U.S. and then back in Europe and then went to McKinsey and did management consulting. So I was traveling again all over the world working with big companies there. And while I was doing some consulting work then for a different company, I was on a vacation, of course, as you do, mm -hmm. um, at a, a Club Med in Turks and Caicos. And we had just played around of golf with some of my dad's friends. They go every MLK weekend down there, and I, I went this one year for the first time. And these two friends of my dad's were talking about VRBO. This is pre-rebranding to Verbo. This is back right. January 2012. And... They're talking VRBO. I said, what is this VBRO? They said, no, no, no. VRBO. It's vacation rent by owner. It's this amazing site. We rent out our homes. We make all this money. I said, wow, this is incredible. You just put your house on the internet and make money. I have a question. How do you know it's not high school kids renting it to throw a party? Because when I was in high school, we always had to throw parties at whoever's house the, their parents were out of town. And I'd say like 50% of the time, the neighbors would rat us out. Like we would get caught at least half the time. And you're saying now we could just get a bunch of people in school to throw in 20 bucks for the weekend 
and we could just rent a party house every weekend. And they looked at me and they're like, well, yeah, I mean, I, I try to kind of interview the people. I check them out on LinkedIn when they try to do booking. Cause this is back when you had to really call. There wasn't the online booking. Everybody had their phone number on. And so I said, okay, well then how do you get it clean? Cause your place is in Destin, but you live in Atlanta and your place is in Vermont, but you live in Boston. And I said, well, I have to hire a local company to do that and manage. And, and so I kept asking questions and I said, at the end of the day, it doesn't sound like you just put your house on the internet and all of a sudden money starts coming in. It sounds like you're putting a lot of work in. Like, oh yeah, maybe like 10 hours a week. 10 hours a week, you're a cardiologist and you're a dentist. You're billing right. insurance companies at like $1,000 an hour. What in the world are you doing right now? And they said, I guess when you put it like that, it doesn't sound like such a good deal. I said, you, you hire people to mow your lawn and change your oil. Why are you not hiring people to do this for you? And they said, well, we used to, but they charged too much. And I felt they didn't have any skin in the game. Like I was the one taking all the risk. They were just screaming 40, 50% of every dollar that came in, but they didn't care if I were making money. And not knowing any better, kind of going back to my law school days, I thought back and said, well, they don't have a job without homes like yours. So why wouldn't the owners just band together to say, property manager, you don't get my house unless you tell me how much you're going to give me for the year and run an auction, make them all compete against each other for those weeks you want to rent. And they looked at me and like, yeah, if there was a way to do that, everybody would be doing that. So everybody, well, that's interesting. That's, that's good market share. Like how big is this market? So we finished lunch. Instead of going to the beach, I go back to my hotel room and pull out the laptop and just start researching the vacation rental industry. And so at the time, it's like a $100 billion industry, Airbnb, I found out was a thing by researching and like this I, home away who owned VRBO had IPO'd at 2.2 billion. It was big, big space and growing. But there was one stat from Focusrate that really jumped out at me. And that was at the time, there were estimated to be 6 billion hotel bed nights available in the course of a year for running. At the same time, there were estimated to be 7.2 billion vacation rental, second home, you know, open property equivalents. So me kind of being a little green, I started looking at it and saying, wait, we never had to build these hotels. We didn't have to go cut down these trees and level the, the ground and you know, mine these minerals and build the concrete and put the carbon in the atmosphere. We could have used all these houses that were here the whole time and we had enough places to sleep. This is a real problem. And it's not happening because you have people like this cardiologist and this dentist who are doing it on the side instead of professionally managing it and not getting it in front of all the people who would actually stay in those houses instead of the hotel. So what we need is a better and more professionally managed vacation rental industry to take this inventory away from these owners that are trying to do it themselves. And so that's where my first company I started was called Vacation Futures. And it was trying to get owners to say, hey, next week or next year, 2022, I'm going to go to this house three weeks. I have 49 weeks open. I'm going to put those up for auction. And all the managers would bid against each other to get those. And that's how I got to know Cliff and Eric at Picasso. They were, they were bigger customers. That's how I got to know Steve Milo. Uh, that's how I got to know, you know most of the industry. was in, you know, Mickey, Mickey was my, my co-founder getting that started. We started going to VRMAs. And that's how I met Jason Sprinkle, my first VRMA. He was building uh, Glad to Have You at the time. And they were just launching. And so I got to know them. And 
Kirby Winfield. Like it, it was just this really exciting time to, to come into the industry. And then I don't know how far you want me to go, but you know, kind of the winding path from vacation futures to, to rented today. No, um, let's, let, let's hear this story. I mean, th- this is, this is why this is different than the other podcasts. And like, we want to, yeah. we want people who are, are interested in these things. Like I look at, I'm looking at your, your, your resume right now, you're on LinkedIn here. And I mean, it shows on here that, you know, vacation futures, you know, until 2020, I mean, yeah. you're, you're still kind of keeping it going in the back end and while, while you're doing some other things as well. I mean, I don't want to take away from your timeline and your story here, but it's that I was still, still a thing. Yeah. So, so th- we're doing that and it, it catches fire, right? We're doubling every month. There's revenue is making good amount of money, uh, very small team and it's going great. And so we go to focus rate 2014 and when the most innovative travel startup in the world. And so then VCs start coming in and say, Hey, we want to invest in this. It's growing so fast. So we go take investor money from West coast venture capitalists and promptly plateau. <laughs> like we we're growing, growing, growing. And then we just flatline and we're like, what is going on? And we're just kind of banging our head against the wall for, for a while. And what we found was, yeah, every owner, like 90% of people who own a vacation home would prefer this model. Give me an auction so I know I'm getting a market clearing price. Get Take the risk out of it. Let somebody else do the work. I want that. But very few managers had the financial sophistication or breadth to be able to do it. So we took off really quickly in the early days because we found companies like Focasa and stuff that were bigger and, right. it and, and used it to the full extent. But then we had a hard time growing because the local manager maybe would do one, but most of the time would say, I'm not touching this. I do it on commission. Right. And you know, when you have when you have 50 to 100 units and you don't have the liquid to actually go ahead and do something like that, right. you're, you know, right. you're, you're onesies, twosies, and, and that's about all you can do. Even if you have 500 units, properties, right. if they're all in the same market and that market gets hit by a hurricane or three over the course of the season, you're not diversified. You're, there weren't other Vacasas, right, that were in 200 markets that really had a diversified portfolio. And so... Finally, after a while, I came to the realization that it wasn't that they didn't necessarily want to. They could, right? The, the rest of the market, I thought if enough owners demanded it, this was a way to grow. Managers would, would ultimately do it. And they just, they weren't able. And so uh, someone who I know Mateo knows really well, Tanner Bruce, we're at a Starbucks. To Tanner. That was a former Arby's, turned into a Starbucks, got torn down, now is a big high rise. But he said, wait, if all these owners want this guarantee and all these managers have to do commission, is there a way we could bridge the gap? Could we go and kind of find a way to finance it, maybe with crowdfunding? And crowdfunding was going to get very complicated because you had owners, you had managers, you had individual crowdfunders. It was just going to be a mess. So I said, hey, we have some money. You know, We had some VCs put money in. Let's, let's try it. And we did it. And sure enough, like, like we'd always thought, if you put the right number in, you made way more you know, giving the guarantee and then getting the upside commission. And so then, of course, investors find out about it and want to give us a lot of money to go do it. And so we build a, a special purpose vehicle called Rented Capital and start leasing up properties. We end up with 2,000 properties. And that's really, Mateo helps scale that globally, you know, Mr. Worldwide there, getting it all over. We had 2,000 properties all over. 
And in 2018, that's when Cliff left Vacasa and came to join and, and really helped take that you know, from yeah. X to 2000. And when we got there, he said, you know, one of the things I realized when we were building Vacasa was once we got to a certain number, it wasn't about signing just more homes. It was about we needed to make much more from the homes we had. And the, the managers we were partnering with may have been very good in terms of owner relationships. It may have been very good in terms of guest relationships and, and providing a great experience. But those people tend to be small local businesses. They don't have data science teams. They don't have data scientists. They don't even have a lot of times full-time revenue managers. It's like their marketing person does social and email and some revenue management. And listen, we're just leaving a ton of money on the table. I think we need to take this function back. And so we, we built out these revenue management services with Cliff and Kevin Lincecum and some others. Mm -hmm. And we started seeing within a month, 30% to 100% revenue lift. Same properties, same managers, just us doing the pricing. And I said, wow, there is something real here. And so what we ended up doing was on the, that fixed rent portfolio, we stopped renewing those contracts. We agreed with the LP in that fund. They were just going to return the money, stop renewing the contracts, sold them back to the manager, switch them to commission, kind of play with that. And so we got lucky because we got out of that business by January, February of 2020 before COVID hit. And it's interesting. And it's interesting, Andrew. And I just want to jump in here real quick, you know, from the outside looking in or, you know, so Mateo and I, we have a lot of similarities and we actually came into the industry at the same time. So we're both, you know, about five years in, you know, so not a tremendous amount of time, but enough that, that we've built the relationships and we, we think we, we know a decent amount, but we, we still are, are pretty wet behind the ears overall. Um, when, when I was looking at, you know, and I think the majority of people are looking at rented, it's like a hundred percent, you guys did a, a one eighty for, you know, on one day, you're like, you know, by the way, we're not doing this anymore. We are now in revenue management. And it, and it took a lot, it took the industry by surprise. And, and, and truly, I, I think, you know, at least from the outside, looking into, to what you're doing, that was the hardest thing as a, as a vendor partner or, or just someone in the space to be like, well, last week they were doing this and now they're doing this and a great, amazing move by, by you all but to, mm -hmm. to see the writing on the wall to understand that, you know, you know, obviously Cliff, Cliff coming in and, and talking to you all and, and figuring this out. But I mean, kudos to you and your team for, for making this transition. But uh, what a ballsy move. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so Mateo, when we kind of get on the culture and everything, he, he knows as well as anybody that we really try to lead with our values. Right. And, and the big one, my number one personal value and one of the, the top ones that run it is growth and that we all believe in continuous growth and improvement. And that means we can't stay still, right? This industry is growing too fast. The, the competitors are moving too, you can't stay still. And so for us, it, it was constantly looking at what should we be doing? What is going to provide the greatest lift to local managers? And so early on, the belief was, hey, this reverse auction, instead of all these people leaving local managers to try to do it themselves, we're going to create this marketplace where these local managers can get them. And it didn't work because those local managers didn't have the financial means to be able to acquire in that marketplace. Right. So then we try to go bridge that gap and say, okay, what if we put the financing behind and we partner with them? And what we ran into there was over time, it also was getting bid up 
you know, Sonder was raising a ton of money. Lyric was raising a ton of money. Stay Alfred was raising a ton of money. Domeo, all these people were raising so much money that like this becomes the game. Yeah, I spend my time with Soros and TPG and, and all these big funds just trying to get more money as opposed to spending it with managers and how to help them. Right. And so then when we got into pricing and revenue management, we said, okay, there are certain parts of this business, probably the parts that matter most that just don't scale. It does not scale to build personal relationships. It does not scale to be a fixture in the community. It does not scale to scrub a toilet or wash sheets, right? That is you're on the ground, boots on the ground, dealing with the business. But this subscale business has to compete in a totally global, totally digitized world. Because unlike your local barber or restaurant that doesn't scale either, the guests aren't coming from your town. You can't just build your relationships and that's your business. You have to attract guests from all over the world through these totally digital channels. And so that's when we started thinking about this concept of scale as a service. What can we build and do at scale to give access to these local companies? And so Amazon Web Services, like what they do with servers, to computer companies. Hey, look, we're managing so many servers. Let us give you a piece of this and you just pay what you use uh, and, and right. you can get it way more efficiently. And so that's, that's what we've been doing, with, whether it's pricing or revenue management. And so that it didn't, I think it, it felt way more jarring depending on when you came into the industry than it did internally because we've done it before, right? We went from a marketplace to this financing product to we went from vacation futures to buying rentit.com. We, and so it, it, it's just part of what we do is look at the market. Where are we going to provide the best and, and greatest impact? And right now it's, it's on that scale of the service pricing and revenue management. Yeah. And I think that, you know, and it, and I think it's wonderful. I think that you know, being a newbie into the space when this happened what, a couple of years ago now um, yeah. was like, for me, you know, it seemed like, oh, the buzzword was dynamic pricing and the buzzword was, you know, was, was rev management and, and all this stuff. And like, and, and, and I'm totally wrong, by the way, I, I admit it, but I think, oh, they're jumping onto this because it's, it's the buzz. And in, and in all actuality, you're jumping on this because you're, you're giving more value um to you know in which is amazing um but you know being trying to that's, understand yeah. the the everything it was it was interesting to me but that's the outside looking in right yeah, 100%. and, I, and I, I understand that perspective and i think and, and i had a lot of those conversations with a lot of people they were asking like what's the pivot why are you pivoting unless you really know that there was it it, it wasn't just solely based on, oh, hey, you know, this is just a great idea. It, 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 it was actually shown, you know, it was a database decision. We were looking at our product and are we serving, you know, our managers? Are we doing, you know, who, what we say we are doing for these managers? And you look at what, you know, we were able to provide because to be 100% honest and 100% candid, the managers just wanted money. They wanted the money more than anything else. And they, they didn't have a solid plan to grow, even if we would have been a bank and said, hey, hey, we're, we're here, we're going to back these guarantees, you can do whatever you want with the money, and just make sure that you hit X return on that, on this investment. That, first of all, that wasn't what we were interested in doing. So, but that's what the culture of management was at that time. They just equated a, a certain amount of money or being able to add, you know, give their homeowners a certain amount of money into the business that would actually create more of those homeowners that want to come to that want to come through. And you know, 
they needed loans. They didn't need you know, fixed rent in the space that they thought that they did in, in that space. And so being able to see that and have the foresight to say, well, what is really going to make them better managers? What's going to make them this money that, that we clearly see that they need? And if they're you know, looking at the majority of the managers that we were working with in, in a lot of these spaces, they were leaving money on the table. Yeah. And you know, when Cliff and Andrew were able to sit down and go and look at the numbers and the other team were able to look at the numbers, they're like, this is a huge impact. So at the end of the day, hell yeah, it's a ballsy risk. But guess what? I mean, this is, you know, this is a time for innovation and creation. And again, people don't ask for permission to do what they see is right and follow that path in front of them. Not if you want to have a successful business within the space. And I think, you know, that's one of the things I loved about our culture at Rented. And we can dig into this was that, look, ideas that have, you know, that ha- ideas, no matter where they came from, Tanner, Tanner's come up with amazing ideas in, in the space. And you have to look at where Tanner was in the company when he was giving these ideas to the table. It wasn't like he was some, you know, product expert that was in the space that was serving these ideas up. Tanner was, you know, on the ground in, you know, with the troops and working in this space. And, and through his interaction with, with the managers and customers, had these amazing ideas that we we're actually able to turn into products. And the same with Cliff when he came in with bringing his experience, hey, this is awesome what we're doing today. And we can clearly see that we can be successful in this, but there's more that we could be doing on this space that actually is in line with our values and makes good business sense. Because Let's talk about that too. Let's talk about art. I mean, cause like arts. So th- those that went to Darm um, had an opportunity to see Andrew pitch art uh, against a bunch of other, um, like a bunch of other people in the space, you know, um, it was, I was impressed, you know, I was, I was very impressed it, Art, the, you know, your presentation was, was spot on and, and truly, you know, what, what, what art is bringing is, is a little bit different spin uh, to, to the rev management dynamic pricing uh, scene. And uh, I was, I was impressed. And I, I think you guys are making some pretty decent waves right now. True. Aren't you? Yeah, so I mean, art is another one of those on that continuous improvement side. So when we started getting into revenue management, we didn't have technology behind it, right? We, what we were doing was this financing product, right? And so we said, hey, what we need is revenue management on top of this business, and so we would do it in the PMS. We would do it in individual pricing tools. So we were working in all the pricing tools. We were using Beyond and Wheelhouse and Price Labs and everything. Right? You you were you were essentially a consultant team working with their team, correct? Almost. Yeah, not so slightly different, and and we still have this function. Consultants, having been a consultant for a while, it's hey, here's all the work you need to go do, and then give it to the team to go do it. What we do is execute. Okay. So we have a team of revenue managers where you say, here's my hundred properties, and our team owns pricing. You put in the parameters. Hey, this owner has this men stay or men night requirement. You know, go all through it, and then our team within that maximizes revenue. And that's where we see. The thirty to hundred percent lift is they're in touching the pricing and right. really the, the one taking. So out. more of a rented is an extension of their team, not as a consultant. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, like exactly. extend team or, or some of these others yeah. that you have out there. It's like hey, we're just taking this function from your team. And what, while we were doing that, again, the team saying, hey, you know, it would be way more efficient if we could do this. You know, it, it's really difficult having to jump between these different pages to get this information and do this that, and the other. And when COVID hit. We said, well, why don't we just go build what a revenue manager would use, right? Instead of being a tech person or someone from outside the industry, 
we've been vacation rental managers. We, we are revenue managers. Why don't we go build what we would want to use, what we would need to use to solve these problems? And so we brought on Eric, who was the original CTO from Vacasa, and built out art and built out an automated rate tool that isn't kind of Silicon Valley, hey, here are all these buzzy things, but are, hey, here's what you need and how you actually do the job. So don't worry about 67 different bells and whistles. Tell me, how do you want to accomplish? What do you want to accomplish in revenue management? I'll show you how to do it in a way that saves 12 steps, right? And so that's really art is about solving the problem as opposed to just throwing more stuff at you. It, it you know, we're, we're getting back into conferences, but it was the, the 2019 one that this one really sticks with me it was when Sarah Bradford at one of the, the plenary sessions said, I got into this business to be a vacation owner and I spend all my time as a technology. Mm-hmm. And that's not what I want to do. And so what we're trying to do uh, is the technology works for you. You're not working the technology. The technology is working for you. And that's really kind of the, the guiding light behind art and what we're trying to do there. That's amazing. The, um, so where, where now? I mean, you, you, you've kind of gone from your full metamorphosis from, from early in the space, you know, from, you know, vacation futures all the way up through rented and then rented 2.0 um where you know what's next for y'all and what what and what do you see you know as you know where where we are now we're halfway we're more than half three quarters of the way through 2021 2022 is is right around the corner you know what's next for us yeah to me it does it continues to get back to kind of sarah's lament on i don't i don't want to be a technology and I think Mateo, you're the one back in New Orleans. What was it, 2016 or whatever? When we're there. We're like, what, what I keep hearing is people aren't saying, "Hey, I want a software that does this," or "I want a software that does that." People are saying, "I want something that just makes it work." Like, I, I want something across. I want a platform that just makes it sing. And I think that that's a long journey, and it's going to take some serious uh, partnerships to really integrate. But I, I think what you've seen. And I think we've all seen is a lot of these partnerships, it's a LinkedIn post and a a press release, and it's just an integration, right? It's like, hey, here's the 76th integration we built. And this, but it's not a partnership. It's not really solving that simplicity issue for the person who's already loaded with work. All it's doing is giving them more choices and more complexity in their business. Mm -hmm. And I think coming at that in a much more deliberate and intelligent way, I think yeah. can make a huge unlock for managers to allow them to not be technology managers, but to manage their teams, to manage their relationships with their owners, to manage the experience with their guests instead. And so that's that's kind of the overarching long tail uh, of where we're taking that. Well, I mean, that's a great, great transition there. You you mentioned, yeah. I mean, you've been partnered with, you know, key data now for a couple of years um, at least. Um, but now it recently in the news as, of, as, as recently as, as last week, a new announcement came out that you have an expanded partnership. Uh, can you kind of talk about that and what that's going to do for, for you all, but also for, for your users? Yeah, so absolutely. So the, the original partnership with Key Data 
we're back to don't trust us. Don't trust what we say. Look at the results. Yeah. And key data is, I think, one of the, if not the best in the industry, it's showing you how do you look at your market? How do you benchmark? You know, here's how we were. Don't look that you're 12% down. If you were normally 10% above market, now you're 15% above market, you're actually doing better. So how do you look at that data? How do you tell those stories with your owners? Um, and so the original partnership was just very much around giving our clients the ability to see that and helping them navigate those reports and really understand their business in a new way. The, the expanded partnership is we are now accessing all of their anonymized data. So beyond all the rented data we have, beyond all the, the global data that we have, um, we now have the source data from key data that's feeding into our models, just making them that much smarter with every single booking that comes through, every single night that goes on book that comes through, every single rate that changes and makes an impact that comes through our models for art and for what our revenue management team is doing, get smarter and smarter. And, and so that for us was a, a big unlock. So yeah, it's source of truth data, man. That's, uh, you know, we one of the things we've always experienced, right? And we've always, you know, really needed um and i think that the industry needs is is that data right the best data what are the best concepts what is the best what is the most accurate data and that's coming from the source of truth because those numbers don't lie right like at the end of the day so kudos to that um what i want to dig in we're going to get into a little bit of culture but I, I like what you said about the partnership perspective because you and i used to have conversations about partnerships all the time what is the value right like yes we can say that we partner because we have, you know, a theoretical kind of mutual, you know, you know, basis for partnership. But what does it mean? Like, what's going to come out of it? And I think it's that space was stale. Um, you know, I think for me, I spend a lot of time kind of thinking about that now. Right. Like, what does partnership mean? Right. Because to me, again, it's a verb. Right. In, in, in the way that I like to use it, because it means it's two entities working together for mutual benefit of sort. Right. And that's not a stale prospect. Like I, I don't, I think that it has to be, you know, really thought out, well thought out, um, designed with the true mutual benefit in mind. And, you know, it, it also has to be kind of data driven to, to show that there is a, you know, whatever that, that mutually agreed upon metrics are like, you have to show that that partnership makes sense, that it's not just theoretical, but it, it can be practical and it can be executed. And I think it's interesting because we'll get into books and other stuff in a minute. I just read uh, this book called the sumo advantage. Um, and it really helped me understand kind of the value of partnerships. Um, uh, great book. Yeah. If you haven't read it, Andrew, I'll shoot it your way. Cause I was like our book exchange, but um Partnership strategies, culture, all of these things that are coming together. I, I, I see rent. When I look at rented and I see the success of rented, I feel like it's because of the culture uh, at the company that you're here, that you're there, that you're here, that you're thriving. And as a CEO and, and founder of a company who's responsible at the end of the day for building this, Andrew, talk a bit about that, about the culture of rented, you know, how it's progressed, you know, what, what it's kind of core is and, you know, why it was important to you to build the company that you have today uh, from a culture standpoint? Yeah. I mean, one kind of feeding to it is the partnerships point, right? It, we very deliberate. We, we will pay yeah. if they're rev share, whatever, going that way. We do not take any money from partnerships. Yeah. It's a very principled, and maybe I'm just a bad business person, but we, whether it's our ultimate guide to property management system or software, 
Um, again, we want what's best for the manager. So we want you to know, hey, I'm telling you that I think this is the right answer for you because we think it's the right answer for you, not because I'm getting paid on the back end. And I don't want to be in a position where I start rationalizing. Well, you know, I, my, my gut would say it's this one, but there are all these other reasons where this one that's going to pay me could be better in this one situation for this client. And so that, that gets back to, you know, the, the value of better for all. They're only, you know, that's, that's where we lead. It, it goes back to even the marketplace. Transactions only happen. Deals only happen when they're truly better for all parties involved. And that's why we try to do free trials. We do the month to month because we don't want you paying us to do something where we're not delivering more value than what we're, you're paying us. That's why we did the partnership with Key Data in the first place. Right. We want to look at it every month and say, hey, are you paying us less than you're making by working with us? Because if you're not, you shouldn't keep working with us. We are not delivering the value that you should be getting from this partnership. And so... So kind of that's a meta point on partnerships and, and another one of the values. But when we initially were crafting values, you know, you get there, there are a couple different worlds, but they end up in the same place where big companies do it or companies do it before they have a company. Yeah. And they end up being platitudes on a wall. It's aspirations that describe, yes, motherhood and apple pie, right? Uh, and that goes on the wall. Whereas we waited to do it. And we, we started saying, hey, what is it that you value about working here versus somewhere else? What, what is it that you value that if it changed, you would be disappointed about being here? Mm-hmm. And so we crafted the, the initial values from that and kind of ran it by the team. And we had five. And then our CTO at that time, Steve said, well, there, there's one missing for me. One of the things that I value most here is that I have the ability to do the work in the way I see fit, right? I have the autonomy. It's not that you empowered me. You didn't give me the power. I came in with my way of doing things. And as long as I'm delivering, I have the freedom to do the work the way that I see, the, the hours the way I see, you know, the managing the team the way I see. And so I said, Okay, well, that, that needs to be a value because we don't want to change that. If that's something that people really care about how we work here. Now, it's not saying there's no management. There's No, if you're right. not hitting your stuff, then there is management. There's coaching. Right. There's, there's all that. Right. But right. as long as you're hitting your targets, then we love experimentation, right? Like we would never come up with all these new ideas if people weren't trying new things. We, we right. don't have a set way. And it was a, a conversation early on of I came up with Vacation Futures because I knew nothing about the industry. I've been in this industry almost a decade now. I am, I am not the, the one coming up with these crazy new ideas. It's going to be other people on the team, people that are closer to the business, people that are newer to the industry. And so it really has to have this open culture. Like you talked about, new ideas really can and should come from everywhere. We need to hear them. We need to listen to them. We need to figure out how we're going to execute on them. There's ideas one piece, but then the other piece is intentional execution. Are you, are you doing something with that idea? Because right. the idea is worth less than the paper it's written on if you're not doing something with it. Yep. And no, so, I, yeah. 
Now, I, I just want to quickly say that I love a, a company that will go ahead and be open to go ahead and reevaluate their value statements, you know, and, and, you know, every couple of years or even every year to go ahead and look at it. Did these still align with you know, where we're going? And uh, that says a lot about you and it says a lot about your company. I, I applaud you for that. Well, I, yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, a couple couple things on that. We just, we, at Darn, we got the team together, uh, did a, a full team meeting and revisited these, right? And I think it's going to be a recrafting of one of them, but we're in the process because one of the things that came up, we, we do user manuals. So mm-hmm. it used to just be me. Here's my user manual. Here's, here's what you need to know about me as a person, as a manager, how I like to give or receive feedback and say, wait. We're, we're a fully remote team now. We're not in this COVID times. We're not able to see each other. This is a really great way to get to know each other. Let's have everybody do their use more. So let's, let's really figure out how we work together in the best way. And something that kept coming up was how do you win gold stars with people? And it was do what you say you're going to do. Right. And so I, I think it's going to be something around that intentional execution, mm-hmm. but it really is the commitment and follow through of doing what you say you're going to do. So we, we do revisit. And it's it's not an accident. It, in McKinsey, there's two main portions to interviews. So there's one of, do you have the kind of consulting skills on brain power, right? Do you have quantitative skills? Do you have conceptual skills? Do you have analytical skills? And there are case studies around that. But the separate piece is, how are you going to work in a team? How are you going to work with clients? And so there are these personal experience interviews where they're testing for particular traits, not, hey, I can describe the things that I should be doing, but take me through a time in your life, a very specific story where this happened. I want to know how you dealt with it. I want to know what you said. I want to know how the person responded. And now every single person interviewing for a job at Rennie, you have the same thing. We have a, and those are tied to our cultural values. Not, hey, do you, do you agree with this? No, everybody, yeah, who's going to disagree? But show me when it's put to the test, how do you act in this situation? And that's going to tell me, do you actually value the same things we do? It's great. That's awesome. Makes, makes a ton of sense. The, uh, I, we're kind of getting to the end here, but I, I want to make sure that um, you have the ability to go ahead. And is there anything you'd like to leave us with? Or, or Mateo, is there any, anything else you'd like to go ahead and uh, bring to our to the attention today on this podcast episode 20 yeah i mean one oh go ahead Mateo. no go ahead Andrew. No, yeah, go one ahead. thing I, I did when you were asking where we're taking rented and we touched on it darn but we back to trying to deliver value to local managers we've opened our entirely for free so anybody now can without any credit card information any payment information go upload their properties get access to all the data models all the same features entirely for free and it's only when you want to start syncing rates to your PMS, to your site, to listing sites, that you would start paying. But we really back to, it has to be better for all. We want you to be able to get in it and play with it and see, hey, is this making my life better or not? I love, I, I love that. I love that. I love that a, a potential client can come in and see the ROI and, and see, all right, this, this is going to make sense. And then choose to go ahead and pay for it and to sync. Um, it theoretically, <laughs> if they wanted to manually do hundreds and hundreds, yeah. they could. And um, that's a big, uh, it's a big, you know, outhand outreach by, by you all. And it's, it says a lot about where you're coming from. Yeah, I think it's a, but it's also a pattern too. Like it, to go back to it, when we started launching revenue management, 
I damn sure didn't know a whole lot about it. But you know what we did? You know what they did? And this was something I thought was always super cool. We brought a textbook. And it wasn't a, a textbook on how to how rented can help you do revenue management. It was revenue management for dummies like me, right? Like it was the it was the basics. It was thorough. I still have it. I don't know, Andrew, if you guys still put it out there, but it's it was, still on it the was website. an amazing resource. Anybody, yeah. So again, like that, that's the part of it, I think. And, and those are the things that kind of, you know, people can say what they want, but when they can look at your deeds and what you do, and that's backed up by your action, like Andrew and I used to say, walk it like you're talking. If you can point to that, that's what cements your values. And not, not just externally. I think the weight of what that holds internally too you can't you can't overlook that because again companies want to when you think you you know when you poll people and they say oh well they hate about their jobs you know the companies say one thing and do another and all these other things you know, if you work for a company that actually you know checks those boxes and deliberately checks those boxes uh, you get a different space um, and so you know kudos to that keep doing that keep encouraging I know Andrew you also invest in a lot of time and energy in the development of, of people. Uh, you, you did it for me. Uh, you do it for a lot of others. And I think you you notice the kind of rented becomes sort of like a family. Like people always see around us, like we're always like, oh, hey. And it's like, people are like that with companies that they used to work with. Um, and, you know, regardless of, again, certain people can't be that way. But but for, for even people that leave on amicable terms and stuff like that, they're not necessarily as close as they were with. I see rented as my family. I, I love y'all. Every single one of y'all. And every time you see us, we're always together. And people kind of look at us like, wow, that's that's kind of different. It, and that's coming that's from that's a different that. world. Yeah, I understand that. But if you come from our world, then it's not as like, oh, it's not so much. Because you really understand it is a different space. Uh, so so it, back to that growth, it, it, it's yes. about the people, right? Every single one of yeah. us, myself included, is going to have a last day at rent. Yep. Every single one. But we have relationships that precede and go past and continue through and caring about the growth of the individual, whether it's professional or personal on where is the best place to grow? Like how, how proud am I of Ricardo Thaner for going and starting cleaner after being or Mickey starting vector staying 1500 properties under management or Amber running live rats, right? That she was group, you going on to at ease, everything like it's it's so exciting because it's yeah. it's about what is the person, what's gonna be the greatest unlock for that person, and then how do I and we support that in, in the most efficient effective way. And it's interesting too, because a lot of times it's not normal, right? People aren't used to having that support. Um, and I call it support because it truly is when you can really push someone to, to go into a lane that is going to be better for them, even, you know, in, in a way that they can't necessarily see is it's, it's interesting, right? Because it's not always, you know, received with the intent in which it's given, but it, right. It's, it's, it goes back to the mothering thing we were talking about like earlier, right? Like it's, it's kind of how you, firstly, how you take it, but then at the other end of that too. You, it's not a it's not a normal part of of work culture or corporate culture. I will say that you know people are used to, but I think the more people kind of get the understanding of wow, there's actually entities that really do care about you outside of just today's business you know use case. It's that's different. 
it's very different uh, in, in, I will say, most work cultures. And so I think in having the courage to be able to do that, because you have to deal with people who may not be emotionally ready to take that on, right? And and, and choose to see it a different way. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'll digress on that, on that part. Um, but it is a part of growth. And going into growth, one of the things I love I loved about being at Rented and one of the things that I still kind of jostle you around is the, the book reading um, and, and continuing to learn. And you know, one of the things I loved about Rented in the beginning, even Mickey was like, hey, man, build up your library. You know, if it's got to do with work, you know, we'll take care of it. It was always education and, and learning was always promoted and not just promoted, but backed uh, at Rented. You know, you and I'll, I'll put it out there. We got a budget every year for learning. To, to particularly put toward, it could be a class, it could be in it always, it didn't always have to do with work. It could have been broadly working on you as the individual. And I used it to become a yoga instructor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and again, I think I was probably going to use mine to be like, become a DJ and to teach my <laughs> day school or something crazy like that. But, but no, but in, in all seriousness, like, you know, that part of our culture, I, I think, is important. And I don't know that enough of that goes around. Um, you know, we used to, to joke about it all the time, you know, but it, 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 it's infectious because even the book learning part, like I'm always trying to catch. I'm, not, I'm nowhere near the, the 200 we had talked about, but I, I'm, I'm getting up there. So I'm my book leading. I'm on, I, I listen to my books at like 1.5 or 1.75 now to make sure that I can get through it. But like, that's, that's like something I got from you, right. In that space and, and the being able to, to really continue to digest the knowledge, to make myself better, to make myself smarter. Um, it's something I always be appreciative of our, of our time together. Um, but talk to me a bit about why you think that's important to the culture. And then at the end, I want you to talk about kind of what you're doing personally, stepping out in, in, around books and literature, uh, you know, moving forward and what, what you have going on with that. Yeah. I mean, the book reading or podcasts, whatever it is uh, on growth, it's, we can grow through our own experiences, but we can grow a lot faster tapping into other people's experiences too. And, right. and so you can, you can just up your level, up your game, accelerate the whole process uh, by reading. And so that's, that's really where I invest a bunch of time into consuming knowledge. The, the flip side is I realize that learning and reading and consuming knowledge is an incredibly selfish task if you're not mm -hmm. doing something with it, right? Back to the, you can have words, but without actions, it doesn't mean anything. Yep. And so that's where I, I really several years ago, tried to start giving back and say, hey, what am I synthesizing? What am I taking away? Whether it's a LinkedIn article or a Forbes article or Huffington Post or Inc., whatever it is, really trying to get it out there. And a couple of years ago, I said, okay, well, if I'm doing all this writing, right, 50 something articles on Forbes, maybe maybe I should just do a longer form thing. Let, let's go write a book. And so that's what I, I did this past year was wrote a book called Get Out of My Head. Um, mm -hmm. It's going to come out June of 2022. But it's this idea of, and it comes back to, to rentals. It comes back to this concept of, we, we talk about vacation rentals being the most precious asset, the, the most valuable asset that these people own or second. And the reality is there's only one asset any of us truly owns, and that's our mind. And that is by far the most precious asset. And yet, we end up spending our lives renting it because we gave it over to the latest tweet from the president. We gave it over to the <laughs> hurricane that's coming. We gave it over right. to 
the thing that our spouse said or that our employee did, whatever it is, we gave our mind away and we're just getting the remnants. And so the get out of my head is saying, no, let's, let's get out of mental tendency and let's get into mind ownership. Mm. And it's doing that through a structure of stoicism, the, the ancient Greek philosophy, but it illustrates it with modern day successful people. How have they gotten out of letting people take over their mind and own their mind? And so it, from personal interviews with the, the guy who ran training for an elite team within the SEALs uh, to the founder of DocuSign to Dr. Bernice King and Al-K's daughter, uh, just profiles all these people that I got to speak with about how do they actually put this in practice. So it's, it's taking the concept, but as you know me, it makes it very tactical and actionable. Okay, what is the truth? What do I need to now start doing differently? And how do I do that differently? To get those people out of my head, get those events out of my head, get the future me or the past me that's just ruminating in my head out of my head so that I can be here now and present and be a true mind owner. That's super intriguing. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to that. What what date? What's the date again? June 14th, 2022. I'll be here before you know it. It's right around the corner. Well, we'll definitely, uh, as a friend of the show, man, make sure that we are uh, a loud mic- uh, megaphone for you and, uh, you know, make sure that people know when and where to catch that. Uh, I'm definitely going to read it. I'm sure John will as well. Um, yeah, it's uh, uh, that that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, sounds like that's going to be a great book. Um, well, man, thank you for coming on, Andrew. It's, uh, before you go, anything else you want? Any parting shots you want to tell the world? Anything else? Uh, you want again? I'll dig into. You know, I, I didn't even. We're, we're going to bring you back because there's other aspects of things I definitely want to pull you into. Uh, you know, one of the coolest girl dads I know out there. Uh, you know, I've never met. I've never met someone. Well, again, I won't bring out our our two two like Halloween photos that we have. <laughs> like, yeah, no, nah, you're 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 you know, amazing dad, uh, amazing husband, amazing family man, and you know, you you make it look effortless. Uh, I know it's not always, um, but, you know, learning how to be present in that space is something we can all take a, uh, you know, a lesson on. Um, and so kudos to that. Uh, shout out to the family. Um, definitely. And uh, yeah. Hey, shout out to the rented team. Anything else you got? Let us know. If not, we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up. I mean, I, I would just like to say kudos to y'all because I, I don't know. I assume people listening to this get this. This is not part of either of your day jobs, right? This is something you say, hey, this is something that needs to be out there. And we're going to go on our own time and dime, put this together. And so yep. kudos to you uh, on really giving back to the community through this. So thank you. Thanks, right. man. Thank Appreciate you. it. Yeah. And, and with that said, um, I do want to quickly go ahead and and let everyone know um, if you're not if you if you're listening to this right now, make sure you're 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 liking, you're following, you're downloading, you're, you're sharing. You're we're on all the podcast channels. You know, watch us on YouTube. You know, give us a like. Do do all the things you need to do. Um, a quick shout out. We mentioned this last week, and we'll mention this every week. Uh, Mateo and I are co uh, presenting a uh, diversity and inclusion, continuing the the, the discussion at Verma this year. Um, it's going to be a great panel, um, and so we, we really want you to go ahead and and get involved. And and uh, I think it's one thirty on day two of Verma. Come participate. Also, um, the you know Mateo is a, the uh, co-chair of with um, he's a co-chair of the DEI subcommittee for Verma, and they're doing a boot camp on Sunday. 
um, leading up to it. So there's so much great information that that you really, you and your companies, if you're going to be at Verma International, need to be participating, need to be sucking in. And uh, we're, we're stoked to have the opportunity to, to speak. And yeah, so that that uh, the diversity and inclusion boot camp is uh, is going to be that Sunday. Um, what is that? October third from yep. uh, two to five. We've got a great speaker. Um, we want as many people to come out. Shout out to Renit for being a sponsor. Talking about walking like you talk it, man. Thank you so much for supporting that. Not a surprise, but still grateful and thank you. Uh, and look forward to having you all come check that out. We put a lot of hard work. Uh, shout out to the committee, Margot. Uh, 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 Garrett, um, all of those who are out there uh, that help make this possible. It's going to be an amazing event, and uh, we hope to see as many people as want to go show up. So, yeah, that's it, man. Until yeah. next week. Thanks. Until next week. Safe travels, Andrew. Uh, yeah, by the time you hear this, you know, it'll probably be Vacation Rental World Summit. So make sure you check out Anthony. I mean, <laughs> Anthony. Let's see who's calling me now. Uh, make sure we check out Andrew out there. If you're there, check him out. He's going to be there. Uh, shout out to Antonio uh, and, and our worldwide STR family. Uh, everybody have a great week. Travel, travel safe.